Hi everybody, welcome to Fed Talks. I'm your host, EJ First. Hey, how's every, how is how is everybody? I really stumbled over that question. Holy smokes. Um been kind of a I can't decide if it's an uneventful week or an eventful week. I don't know what narrative I'm going for. Um but uh just to keep you abreast of the only thing I ever have news about now, uh, I am very excited because I, I weighed myself this morning and I now weigh less than season two Homer Simpson. That's right. Uh, the, the sort of iconically overweight, uh, character, the, the, uh, the, the, uh, uh, exaggerated laziness and, and gluttony given form uh, is now weighs me by a full half pound. So uh, things are looking up. <laughs> and I think I mentioned this uh, in a previous episode, but when I had, had said that to some friends about the Homer Simpson thing and one of them said, well, you're taller than he is. And I'm really trying to determine how tall Homer Simpson is. And uh, on the show, his height has been given as both uh, six foot and five ten. So either way, I'm taller than him, but not not by like a lot. You know, not. Uh, it's not the winning argument you think it is. Is what I'm saying. Um. So this thing just occurred to me and I want to say it on the podcast because I, I, I will, there will never be a situation where it comes up, but I, I, I just want to put it out because I think about it every once in a while. And, uh, I guess there's never going to be a situation where I can, can, uh, vaguely relate it. Ah. Uh, you're probably familiar to some degree with sportscaster Ahmad Rashad. Uh, he is probably most famous, and this is the reason for this reminisce, uh, as uh, proposing to the Cosby Show's Felicia Ayers Allen on air. And given that she's been Felicia Rashad for about two plus decades now, you can see that went pretty well. So when I was a kid, I actually saw that proposal uh, live. I mean, live on TV. I wasn't in the booth when <laughs> Ahmad and Al Michaels or whoever were. But I saw that and I, I thought it was really, I don't know, cool. Like it was, but weird. And I was in my 30s before I made the connection that the two of them were in a relationship and that was just a public proposal. I honestly thought he just went on and proposed to a lady on TV he thought was pretty. <laughs> like, that's what my, whatever, nine-year-old brain did with that and it just stuck. And it was real recently that I, I, like, it's, you know, at the time it wasn't a thing I thought about a lot, but that was, if you had asked me about Ahmad Rashad, my take on the story would have been that, yes, he proposed to an actress he liked. <laughs> and, no, that's that's not the 
case. They were they were in a relationship. <laughs> so I tend I think about that sometimes because I'm I'm not smart. Uh you know what? Most of this episode is going to be my movie franchise talk because I've got some interesting entries to talk about. Uh couple of quick TV recommendations. Uh, the Kids in the Hall are back on Amazon. There's a new season. They did eight new episodes. Um, I've seen four of them so far. I'm kind of pacing myself. They're terrific. They're so funny. They are just back in the game. Their personas, are they slipped right back into their, their personas so well. Uh, they're bringing, bringing back a lot of the favorite characters in the first few episodes you'll see uh the Kathy's and Buddy Cole and uh Dave Foley's old businessman uh we have not seen at this point like uh head crushing guy or Gavin or chicken lady um and maybe they're deliberately not playing the hits but they're very oh the Mark McKinney and Bruce McCullough cops cops they're back they were <laughs> Also, two of them showed their wieners. Uh, Dave and Kevin, yeah, just really just hanging brain in very early into the first episode. Uh, but it's great. I'm having a blast. The If you were a fan of the original series, you probably remember the way it ended was uh, uh, they all laid down in an open grave and Paul Bellini, the, their writer who they made fun of, and he always appeared on the show wearing only a towel. Uh, covered them with dirt and the new season begins with him digging them up and they're all still (laughs) in the same clothes in the same position and then they wake up and they're horrified at the ravages of time (laughs) it's very funny Uh, so that's real good and I don't remember if I was watching this last time I talked about TV but The Wilds on Amazon it is the other teenage girls survive a plane crash and end up in the wilderness show uh the one that's not yellow jackets uh this one is on an island and has flashbacks so obviously my it's and flash forwards in the same episode so it's very lost uh but there's also a really interesting reveal in the first episode about what the show actually is that I don't want to spoil, but it makes it it makes it so I can't really talk more about it. And they're even mentioning this twist in the advertising for season two. But I got to watch it and be completely surprised and go, oh, that's what this is. And I'd like you to have that same experience. So go check out The Wilds and then we'll talk later. Uh, you just have to report back to me that you've seen it. Um... All right, I want to talk the my movie franchise rewatch. Uh, for several weeks now, I had been rewatching uh, James Bond, Marvel, and Mission Impossible. And I finished Mission Impossible last week with the uh, perfect movie that is Mission Impossible Fallout. And after some... Uh, uh, in case you hadn't heard this episode, I, I recently found in my home a box set of nine American Pie movies. I have seen maybe the first two like in theaters when they came out and never thought about them again. I don't know why I own nine of them. Uh, It was an unopened box set 
and I checked like Amazon and any place else I would have bought movies online and it is not in my purchase history. So at some point I went into a store and looked somebody in the eye and bought this. Uh, unless it was at like Meyer, then I could have checked out, uh, done self-checkout. But I don't know why. Like I went through all the cast lists to see if any, you know, like is Andy Daly in, in three of them or something? No, I have no idea. My best guess, uh, gun to my head, best guess is that early pandemic, I thought I saw this cheap and thought, oh, this would be funny if I watch these uh, while we're in lockdown. Because what I've seen, the, the set I have is like $15, so it could easily have been an impulse purchase. Uh, so that might have happened, and then uh, longtime listeners might know that I ended up instead going crazy early in the pandemic and I watched only Perry Mason uh, for several months. And when I say only Perry Mason, I mean specifically only the HBO miniseries reboot Perry Mason, uh, which was good, but I have now seen it 53 times. So I was convinced that that should be the next franchise I watched to take to take Mission Impossible's place. Uh, so I watched the first American Pie for the first time since 1999. But I want to talk about the other franchises first. We'll build up to American Pie. Uh, Marvel, we hit the Avengers. Uh, which, look, Joss Whedon, who wrote and directed it, is, is a bad man. Uh, not... <sighs> It, it sucks that we have to have to uh, qualify. He's not Louis C.K. bad. He's not uh, uh, he's not Kevin Spacey bad. He's just abusive to the women on his sets and in his life. Uh, not physically abusive, maybe, but definitely emotionally so. He just seems like a real, just a real piece of shit. So. Uh, nothing I have to say about this movie is any reflection on him as a person. Uh, and I do think his general terribleness is a little bit more of a factor in Age of Ultron because there's some weird sexist stuff that now kind of plays like, oh, that was him. That That's how he thinks. But we'll talk about that when we get to Age of Ultron. But uh, the, the Joss Whedon of it all aside... Man, that first Avengers movie is pretty much perfect. It, it rocks. It's great. You know, I know they've done bigger and wilder, but seeing everybody together for the first time was so exciting and kind of unprecedented. And everybody acts like themselves. And it's... The wild thing, like Iron Man was a huge hit. And then Hulk kind of flopped and Thor and Captain America were like, we're fine. They, you know, they, they made their money back. They open at number one, but they're not, they're not what you think of today from a Marvel release, uh, where it's, it's going to break records or anything. It's like, no, it would have been, they probably would have had it not been for Avengers. And this had just been sort of a, uh, not been an interconnected thing they probably each would have gotten like a a uh kind of a half-assed sequel and then maybe they would have ended up uh as a supporting character in a future iron man movie uh 
and then Avengers just, I mean, just box office wise, made more than anything. Like, I think it's more than, than, it might have been more than Iron Man, Thor, and Captain America combined. So it wasn't just like there were three separate audiences that all came together. Like everybody wanted to see this. Uh, which you probably know because it was 10 years ago and, you know, you're older than 10, I assume. But it's, it, everything just clicks. Like, uh, the Whedon scripting bothers me frequently. I think it's a little too cutesy for the most part. But, like, this, I think, actually is 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 good, I guess is what I, what I want to say. Uh, the jokes are actually... Uh, clever. Uh, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of. You, there's so much stuff in it. You've probably forgotten funny little bits that don't distract from the plot, uh, which sometimes is a problem in big franchise things when people try to be like Joss Whedon. Uh, but it's it's tremendous. I had so much fun uh, that like just building the tension where everybody's just kind of fighting amongst themselves for like two thirds of the movie is great. And then the big New York battle is just so it's really smart in the way everybody gets to shine and they actually play a role and you see how teamwork actually comes together. That's the thing. Uh, superhero team movies often miss is everybody's sort of doing their own thing and it's a cumulative effect, but it's, we, you know, we actually see cooperation and how that how that plays out. Uh, also, I am a giant sucker for superheroes helping people, and that's I mean, sure, uh, there you know Hulk and and Hawkeye are killing a bunch of aliens, but uh, mostly what you see Cap uh, Black Widow and especially Captain America doing are just rescuing people, and that that always gets me. That's why I love the uh, the the last hour of the recent Batman movie so much. Uh, and hopefully, maybe next week, I'm going to do an ep- uh, a The Batman episode with a special guest. Uh, almost happened this week, but there is, it was uh, uh, waylaid by, by illness. Um, but the, so that's just a teaser. Uh, but I, I love stuff like that. And, man, it's all, you know, there's some, it's, it's, it's actually kind of subtle the way they indicate that uh, Loki's weird mind control staff is making them fight because uh, their personalities still come through. So it sort of feels like a natural outgrowth where they're the characters we know, but a little bit dickier. Ah. Uh, they also now they've retconned it and said that uh, uh, Loki was under the control of the of of his own scepter, uh, and that's why he's a straight out villain. But at this point, he'd only appeared in the first Thor movie where he's also a straight out villain. It's not until uh, Dark World, to the best of my recollection, we'll find out in a couple of weeks, where he starts to have more of a sympathetic, uh, or he's more sympathetic. Uh, Ah, great seeing Coulson again. Uh, uh, it's his death, man. That hits hard. It's great. They do every it, it, everything is just done so well in it. 
uh, two things that I, one thing they, they did not call Hawkeye Hawkeye throughout that movie. He is referred to as the Hawk once, and then everybody calls him Clint or Barton. Uh, but sort of everybody knew he was Hawkeye. It's, uh, it's sort of like how in the original Star Wars trilogy, they never say Palpatine. But for some reason, when we were kids, we all knew that was the Emperor's name. Uh, I mean, in this case, there's 50 years of, of comic books telling us who Clint Barton is, but regular people seem to know, too. Uh, and one thing I thought, uh, well, two things, and they're both kind of Thanos-related, is uh, uh, Loki has two of the Infinity Stones in this. The, the Tesseract, which... Uh, comes from Captain America is the the space stone and his scepter contains the mind stone but that's not revealed in this movie and probably had not been decided yet uh, although Thanos is in it so they probably knew they were going to do the one Thanos story but neither of them are, are revealed to be infinity stones and I want to try to track where the stones all are sort of revealed and what their their path is uh, so we'll, we'll keep an eye open. Uh, they're both in government custody now, neither of them in stone form. Uh, the other thing is you, you do get that Thanos teaser at the end. Uh, it's, and it is wild that uh, uh, everybody in the world knows who Thanos is now. But, you know, when this came out, it was just sort of like, wow, that guy looks like he's probably going to be a problem. Uh, I know one person who thought it was Hellboy, <laughs> which you can sort of see. But uh, a thing that struck me as kind of neat was uh, uh, his one of his acolytes is warning him that to uh, to threaten the Avengers is to court death, and that's the first time you see Thanos's face, and he gives a big grin because in in the comics Thanos is he's not the uh, wipe out half the universe. Uh, uh, to achieve balance, he wants to kill half of everybody uh, because he is literally in love with death, who, because this is comics, is personified as a lady skeleton with boobs. Oh, comics, will you never learn? <laughs> uh, and so that that scene hints a little more toward that version of Thanos. Uh, and... You know, the, the way he actually turns out to be in Infinity War is, uh, I don't think that had been on anybody's mind. And I think it's better, but, you know, still, good job. It sets up all these things that pay off. Uh, yeah, I got no beef with Avengers. It was great. Uh, next time is Iron Man 3, which I have seen... Maybe one, maybe just once. I cannot even remember. Uh, I just got a text message, so I'm going to pause. But you'll never know because I'll immediately come back and start talking about James Bond. Uh, actually, one last thought about Avengers was, uh, as I've mentioned, I'm sort of obsessed with the when they credit specific comic creators. Uh, like if they build on their work or use characters they introduced and I always like looking at those and they've been kind of absent from the Marvel movies up to this point. Uh, there were a few names listed in Thor at the very end of the credits. But unless I missed them, because uh, 
I have dogs and they were standing on me. Uh, Avengers, I only saw Stan Lee and Jack Kirby were credit, credited. And Joe Simon also. Joe Simon and uh, Kirby created Captain America before Stan Lee was even working in comics. Uh, but I don't know. I know they're they're common now, but I'm waiting to see when that becomes a regular feature. Uh, now, in this one, I'm I'm excited about because I have had kind of a bad time with the James Bond movies. I love the franchise. I'm not a huge fan of the early ones because they're boring, and I've never quite gotten to Sean Connery. Uh, I thought From Russia With Love was really good but kind of boring, and Goldfinger was equal parts fun and dumb. And Thunderball I just couldn't get through. Uh, and that's usually where my rewatch stops because like, oh, I still got more of these more of these slow-ass 60s movies. But I soldiered on, and I, and uh, this week was Never Say Never Again. No, no. <laughs> you only live twice. Sorry. Uh, now, You Only Live Twice has its issues, uh, including, uh, I mean, look, we talk about James Bond movies up to, uh, honestly, up to the Daniel Craig era, you're going to have significant racism and sexism. And in this movie, it is much, it's, it's almost entirely set in Japan. So it does not go well. Uh, and, and maybe that's worth touching on a little bit. Uh, so I, I, I guess I don't want to focus on the, you know, the, the specific racism too much. Uh, and given that most of the characters are Japanese, it's actually maybe less than you would expect from a Sean Connery Bond movie. But there is a, seg a sequence where he goes undercover as Japanese and he wears a wig and has appliances attached to his eyelids to make his eyes look more Asian. <laughs> it's, it's rough. Uh, that said... Also, uh, the one of the women in it, uh, Aki, is a saves his life on several occasions, and is actually one of the more, uh, uh, possibly the best portrayed female character in the series to date. I mean, to date as of when it was made, not as of twenty twenty two. but I had so much fun watching this movie. It is absolutely wild. Uh, there are... Uh, uh, this is the first movie where Blofeld appears and is identified as Blofeld. You see him from, like, the neck down stroking a cat in a couple of the previous movies. And this one is Donald Pleasance's Blofeld. And uh, his... Just an absolutely wicked facial scar that's very fun. Uh, but it's got, it's got Spectre kidnapping U.S. and Russian <laughs> space missions. <laughs> Multiple times they launched so many space missions in this movie in order to start a world war. Because they have a better spaceship that swallows smaller spaceships. <laughs> so in order to properly investigate it, Bond, they have to fake Bond's death in a way that 
serves only to uh, uh, confuse a movie audience. There is a lot of that in this movie where a lot of things happen in the plot that are only happen to mislead the audience. Uh, like somebody dis- uh, strikes a deal with Bond instead of killing him only to betray him before executing the deal. And it's like, well, now, now you just have to almost kill him again. Uh, so a lot of people make their decisions based on, on uh, dramatic effect, which is pretty funny. And uh, also, once he fakes his death, they send him to Japan immediately. And he doesn't put on a disguise until near the end. So for a big hunk of the movie, giant hairy Sean Connery is walking around Japan and could not be less disguised. The only place he'd be more... Uh, conspicuous is if they they enrolled him in a women's college to to investigate a series of murders or something so here's the thing that really jumps out about about you only live twice is uh it is the movie that most of the first austin powers movie is parodying it's the one with the volcano lair and it's got all the the henchmen and like like single color work suits and those those weird little carts and people movers uh you know the last third of the movie basically takes place in the same location as the climax of austin powers uh and it does become a ninjas versus spies fight uh oh also james bond learns to become a ninja which seems to just be him learning a little bit of karate that he doesn't use uh, he does hit Blofeld with a throwing star at one point. That's the extent of his ninjutsu. But it is, the whole thing is is wild and it's over the top. And it's got like a really, a really fun helicopter fight scene where Bond is in a, a like a portable, <laughs> portable helicopter, little Nelly. I had so much fun watching this. Uh, I am, I am, I'm back on board. Uh, Thunderball nearly broke me, but holy smokes, this was fun. Next week, uh, it's it's uh, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, George Lazenby's only movie. Uh, it's pretty highly regarded. Uh, in my memory, it's a good story with a bad bond, but let's see. Let's see how modern day EJ feels about George Lazenby. Uh Okay, so I watched the first American Pie, and I was really, I had some, I was really hoping I'd find something in it, like uh, uh, Chris Weitz, who co-directed it, although he's not credited as the director, because it's him and his brother, and Guild stuff can be weird, but uh, Chris Weitz has basically used his success as a director to get on my favorite podcasts. Uh, and he's, if you've ever heard him on the flop house or, or blank check, he's super funny. Uh, so it's kind of, I went into it with high hopes for him. Uh, the fact that it is, uh, set in the fictitious city of East Great Falls, which is based on, uh, East Grand Rapids. And I didn't even pick up on this, but, uh, a friend of the show, Tim pointed out that the, the, uh, 
hot dog place they always go to is based on Yesterdog, which is sort of a local landmark that I don't think I have been to in maybe eight years. Uh, I mean, really, if there's a place you haven't been in two plus years, there's a, there's a reason for it. But uh, so, yeah, there's a and yeah, they kind of nailed the Yesterdog ambiance uh, without specifically showing the incredibly rude uh, employees. Uh, I can never tell if that's supposed to be sort of the bit like it's a Dick's, Dick's Last Resort thing or if. Uh, whatever the po uh, point is, these were things I was kind of excited about. Uh, guys, it is not good. It's I even remember thinking Eugene, Eugene Levy is really funny. I mean, Eugene Levy is really funny. His character doesn't really do much in this besides some funny reactions. Uh, uh, there's here's the thing is every, pretty much every joke is based on sex. And I'm not a prude, but it would be sort of I kind of wish there had been like a, a another plot line besides dudes trying to get laid uh, uh, that had been like, you know, somebody was failing a class or something. Just to so you'd get an occasional scene that wasn't about boners. Uh, in my mind, and like I saw this in 1999 in the theaters, so it's been 23 years since I've seen it. I remembered a lot more nudity. There's really just the one scene, but that scene is uh, uh, the hero of the movie broadcasting a naked woman without her consent uh, also in a frankly lazy writing bit uh oh he emails the link to the whole school yeah no in 1999 high schoolers knew how to use email you know that's something Eugene Levy would have done but it's real gross like I'd like to think that in 1999 I was watching this and going oh that's not okay but holy smokes thinking about it now Jim should be in prison I assume the next eight movies are him in jail uh, and instead at the end of the movie they even even though she is the one who suffers consequences for being surreptitiously taped and broadcast uh, she still takes it in good humor at the end of the movie and has really just kept up a friendly relationship with this sex criminal um Oh my God, I had such a miserable time. Uh, Natasha Leone, I think, is funny. Uh, uh, she's she's good in other things, and I sort of like that she just seems like an old Catskills comedian in this as a high school student. Uh, but a lot of, you know, the one time at band camp stuff is, that's one of those things that people who weren't funny thought was funny for a long time. So that's part of it. I'm sort of grappling with the legacy of people who aren't funny really enjoying it and quoting it all the time. and uh, Genuinely, just it was just a bad time at the movies for EJ. Uh, no, just... Oh, okay, here's a scene I... It's so labored. It's the kind of thing I hate. Uh, if you want to make a, a scene like this work, like it needs to be like a, a Tim and Eric or, or even Tina Fey thing where how labored it is is part of the joke. But uh, 
there's this thing where Stifler slips the one guy a laxative, so he desperately has to poop. And uh, so then he's, you know, he's running through the halls to get to the bathroom. And Stifler holds the door open for him. But, oh, whoa-oh, it's the ladies' room. And then when he gets to the bath, there's no uh, paper seat covers, which, holy shit, you're never going to see one of those in a high school anyway. So he has to put individual pieces of toilet paper down so his butt doesn't touch the seat. Uh, and then he starts dumping. And, girl, oh, no, girls walk in. And he is being as obvious as he can be, uh, sort of kicking his legs around to be visible in the mirror while they're checking their makeup, and also making sounds with his mouth when he finally poops. I have had diarrhea. I have never, never audibly gone, when I've, boy, I do not like the way the audio spiked on that. That was probably unpleasant to listen to. Uh, you know, that, but that's, and if he were at all smart, he would have, uh, picked up his feet. So as, so the, uh, ladies in the room wouldn't see his big man shoes. Also, look, if you're that, okay, I sort of understand not wanting to sit on the seat with your bare butt. I get that. But if I am desperate, you're going to hover. You're going to brace yourself. You can do it without without making butt on seat contact. Uh, I've done it. This kid's in high school. He's still got, got energy and core strength of a young man. This, this is not how it would go down. And also, if you've been to that high school for four years, you know where the men's rooms are. Holding open the room to the, the door to a lady's room isn't going to go, oh, oh, that must be, that must be the bathroom I've been using every day for four years. It's just, it's a dumb thing to focus on, but it bothered me so much. It's so clunky. Uh, oh, and this was probably the best one from what I understand. So this is going to be a rough nine weeks. Uh, now I have decided that there are nine American Pie movies. I didn't decide that. I realized it. Uh, Zack Snyder has directed nine feature films as of this speaking. So what I'm going to do is compare each American Pie movie to the corresponding movie in Zack Snyder's oeuvre and decide which one I would rather watch. I have not seen all of his movies. Most, many of them I will never see. So I just have to go, go on my gut. So this first American Pie would correspond with his first movie, Dawn of the Dead, which I rewatched recently and really enjoyed. So in this case, I would rather watch a Zack Snyder movie than the corresponding American Pie movie. Uh, we'll see. There's going to be times when that changes. It's going to have to be pretty bad for me to want watch, to watch Batman v Superman. So I don't know who the winner is going to turn out to be, but right now that's one point for Zack. Uh, next time, American Pie 2, I guess. The college years. I don't know. What have I done? Uh, that's it. I'm going to I briefly mention my sponsor, TeasedbySummer.com, who is uh, just awesome. Uh, I feel bad. Uh, I should have I should have brought up her wonderful T-shirts and mugs uh, before I talked about poop for, for like six solid minutes. Uh, 
So this is not exactly a prime spot, but uh, uh, for real, it's it is the weather's nice now. These shirts look great. Uh, look, as a guy who used to buy a lot of t-shirts, uh, these are some of the best across the board that I have seen on any of the, you know, uh, Etsy, T Public type stores. Uh, one thing, quality of shirt. Quality of shirt is is excellent. They're nice and soft. They feel really good. Uh, a lot of people. I think maybe they get a higher cut if they use a cheaper shirt. Uh, the printing is is beautiful and stands up to washing, which uh, a recent guest on Doughboys actually said to their faces that uh, <laughs> their, their shirts pretty much just come out right out in the wash. And yeah, they do. Um, and also very there's a whole thing where you where you have to place the place the design like since you're not physically overseeing the manufacturing process it's all it's uh uh summer explained it to me a little bit but i'm kind of dumb and don't know how to do things but uh some people really do a bad job of that and uh you end up with weirdly off center or or off register and these just print beautifully they are fantastic uh, also, I have been wearing my the Apive shirt so much, and also seeing the logo on my website that I have not been creative enough to write for lately. Uh, and this is maybe the first time I've noticed that the there's a vine that the the ape is hanging on, and the the vine connects to the crossbar of the T in the, which is a is a thing that I really like. It's very, uh, I really like sort of, sort of logos that take on a physical presence, like, uh, like in, uh, Will Eisner's spirit stories, uh, where, where the logo is just like the buildings would spell out the spirit or something. And I think this is really cool or any comic where like the villain is destroying the logo. Uh, and the fact that that is happening on the art for my website really made me happy. Uh, so that is it. Buy something from teasebysummer.com. You can email the show at uh, fedtalks at yahoo.com. I'm on Twitter at EJ Fettis. I'm on Instagram at EJ underscore Fettis. Uh, sometimes Instagram is usually where I'll, if I have a picture related to the show, that's where I'll post it. Check it out. I I lose followers every time I post a picture of myself, which I've been doing every time I hit a, a new 10-pound uh, marker. Uh, and pretty much everybody who follows me on Instagram is a person I have interacted with in the past. So when they stop following me, it does hurt a little. Uh, but that's how you can reach me. Uh, check out the Ape Hive. I have not written anything recently, but... One of these days, uh, maybe we'll have a, a special The Batman episode next week if everything works out. Otherwise, who knows what nonsense lurks in the heart of men. Uh, that's it. Take care of yourselves. Bye. Fed Talks is a Faux Boys production. Wah, 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 wah.